Welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast, where today's brightest minds in the medical device industry go to get their most useful and actionable insider knowledge, direct from some of the world's leading medical device experts and companies. The other day, I had this opportunity to actually be a guest on a podcast, so a little bit of role reversal in it was a podcast hosted by uh, Aaron Monker. Aaron is with Pipeline Design and Engineering, and his podcast is called Being an Engineer. And uh, I loved it. I I uh, highly encourage you all to listen to it. And I thought, you know, I wanted to talk to this guy a little bit more about being an engineer. So I invited him to be a guest on the Global Medical Device Podcast. So enjoy this episode. Hello, and welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast. This is your host, founder, and VP of Quality and Regulatory at Greenlight Guru, John Spear. I'm pretty excited about this episode, mostly because, well, well, there's a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons I'm excited about it is I got to be a guest on on his podcast called Being an Engineer. It was I hadn't thought about how exciting it is to be an engineer until I got to talk to him, but let me introduce today's guest. It's Aaron Monker. Aaron is the owner of Pipeline Design and Engineering. Aaron, welcome. Thank you so much, John. You're welcome. So I know you and I, are, we've only had a, a couple of chats and a couple of emails so far, and I'm just learning a, a little bit about who you are and what you, you do. But who better to talk about Pipeline Design and Engineering other than the guy that owns the business? So do you mind sharing a few words about your business and, and how you help people? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So Pipeline Design and Engineering, we're predominantly a mechanical engineering firm. We do product development and mechanical engineering. We started off a little over 10 years ago as we did general product design. So we we would do, you know, iPhone cases or a medical device or solar power equipment. It was kind of really broad in general. And then about five years ago, we started zeroing in on this niche of custom test fixtures and equipment for medical device companies. And it's kind of grown to the point where that's pretty much our sole focus. We still do a little bit of general product design. The vast majority of our work uh, is focused on developing turnkey custom test fixtures and automated equipment for medical device engineering teams. Very cool. So you get to be an engineer like all the time. I do. I do. I would say a little bit less now than in the beginning. When I started Pipeline, it was just me. Um, I was the the sole staff of the company. So I got to wear a lot of different hats and I definitely got to do a lot of engineering back then. The company, we're, we're still fairly small. We have a team of 10. But these days, we've grown uh, enough so that it's not just me, thankfully, doing doing the engineering. And I get to focus on a little bit of engineering. I certainly sit in on design reviews and help with some project management and things like that. A lot of my time these days is kind of acting more in the role of business owner, you know, doing sales and development and, and things like that. But it's kind of a perfect blend for me because I would be sad if I didn't get to do any engineering at all. But I've also really grown to enjoy and appreciate the, the role of, of business development. That's been a new and, and very challenging adventure for me. Yeah, and I love entrepreneurship and, and talking to startups and folks like you. And I'm always curious about, you know, the origin story. You know, what led you to start Pipeline Design and Engineering? 
I got laid off. Oh yeah, I've, I've been <laughs> there. I, 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 yeah, I've been there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's it's a great little story, and I love kind of reliving it. It was very painful at the time, of course, but I was working at a product development company, engineering company, and great place. Really good, solid people. Very intelligent people. At a certain point, I I guess I just stopped being engaged there. And, you know, the the people that ran the business, they were very bright and they could tell that I just wasn't fully invested in the work that I was doing anymore. Then the recession hit 2008, 2009, and I got laid off in 2009. I started thinking to myself, you know, maybe I'm not as engaged as I should be because I just, I don't love engineering anymore. And so I started exploring a variety of, of different things. I was looking at commercial real estate and web design. I actually started a photography company and ran it for several years with a friend of mine. But in the end, I uh, received some sage wisdom and realized that maybe it wasn't engineering that I had kind of fallen out of love with. It was the way in which I was doing engineering, which is kind of a subtle distinction, but an important one. And for me, what that meant was... <sighs> Uh, as I as I got back into engineering, I, I say got back into it. I never really left it, but as I refocused my attention on on engineering and, and less so on some of these other adventures that I had mentioned, I realized that I really loved having ownership over the whole process. In other words, instead of just being told to here's some little piece of the project, go execute on that and figure that out. I really loved owning the entire thing, you know, cradle to grave, not just the design of one aspect, but conceptually, what does this design look like? And then what are the details? How do we work those out? And then putting together all the drawings, the engineering documentation, then going out and finding vendors that could manufacture it, putting together prototyping, testing, and then delivering a, a final thing to the customer and managing that whole process. So it was kind of a revelation to me that, uh, once I was able to kind of take a step back and take high level ownership over the whole process, it was it was transformational for me. And I realized that uh, it kind of sounds bad. I don't mean it in a bad way. But for me anyway, I much preferred, instead of being a cog in the machine, I, I preferred to be the machine. And that that's kind of how everything changed. Uh, and I got back into engineering and and love it. Yeah. I mean, so before I started Greenlight, you know, I ended up starting my own consulting practice, slightly different angle, but similar circumstances that kind of led me there. And my short story, I guess, if I get too long, just cut me off. But my short story is uh, I was working for a product development firm as well. We did more, you know, engineering work, design work, that sort of thing. Um, That was our proposed mission. Uh, I, I don't know if we ever realized that dream. But long story short, one day I was, you know, I had gotten involved in some of the biz dev, business development side of things and sales operations and, you know, was, was uh, fascinated by it. It was a skill set that I, you know, an engineer doesn't typically have or, or gravitate towards naturally anyway, but it was it was a great way to learn about a business. And then my um, boss, the president of the company, called me in. I, I think it was a Friday before Memorial Day, whatever year that was, and said, hey, uh, we're going to let you go. And I thought he was just telling me to go home early and enjoy the weekend. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, thanks. okay, thanks, yeah. And he's like, no, we're letting you go. And I'm like, I don't, <laughs> it does not compute, you know? And and then, and then it clicked. It's like, oh, okay. And, and I was like, 
I was kind of dumbstruck, you know, and I was like, what do I do now? And at the time I was married and had two young kids and I remember trying to call home and share the news and, and, and you know, there was no response. And, and, I, and I suppose in hindsight, that was probably the universe um, doing me a favor, but I went into like this networking mode and, and it's a, a switch just flipped and I just started calling people like crazy during my commute home. And, you know, long story short, I, uh, I keep saying that, but I keep, keep rambling, don't I? But, um, I had an opportunity, a couple opportunities with closer to home, better paying jobs, but I did that for a bit and I didn't enjoy it. Uh, and I'm like, well, you know, I should just do my own thing. And then, so then I started my own consulting practice and got to work with startups and manage projects and get ideas from cocktail napkin sketches all the way through the product development process. And, you know, I was like, that's what I love. I, I like solving problems. Okay, here's a. I know you're the host here, but I want to ask you a question. <laughs> sure. Do <laughs> you think that you always had that innate sense of entrepreneurialism in you, or do you think it was brought out by the fact that you got laid off and then sounds like you started working somewhere else and you just you weren't into it? Do, do you think it was situational or was it always just a part of you? I've thought about that question. It's a really good one. I think at the time, or a few years ago, I would have said, eh, entrepreneurship was sort of pulled out of me out of necessity. But then if I'm being, you know, if I think a little bit harder about it, I go back to even when I was in high school and I, did I have a business? Um, well, sort of. I used to make tie-dye t-shirts and friendship bracelets and, you know, used to sell them to people, take special orders and... There you go. And, and, and that sort of thing. So I'm like, mm, maybe it was there. And even the first job that I had out of college... It was with a large company, but it was still um, at that time um, owned and ran by the initial founder. So even though it was a large company, it was still very entrepreneurial feeling. And and I think that I, I, I think it's probably been in me for a while. What about you? I have to agree. I think there's probably, you know, a balance. Some of it is situational for sure. If I had not been laid off, I probably would never have gone out on my own. So I I look back and seeing, see being laid off is really uh, one of the, in all honesty, one of the biggest blessings of my life. It's one of the greatest things that's happened to me. But even as a kid, I always loved, there's just something about the satisfaction of being able to make my own money, you know, with my own thing. I remember I walked around the neighborhood soliciting neighbors to wash their cars. Yeah. I sold baseball cards. Yeah, there was just something about the ability to, to do my own thing, to be autonomous and make my own money that I think I've always loved. Yeah, and and I kind of agree with that. I think the you know same sort of circumstances. Had I not been laid off, I don't know that I would have ever thought about it. And you know, sort of the trigger thought for me wasn't the lay being laid off part. It was the several months later, because of life and the circumstances that I had at the time, I really kind of had to have a job. I didn't have a nest egg to fall back on. I was you know younger than I am now for sure. So, you know, there's mouths to feed and mortgages to pay and car yeah. payments and all that sort of thing. I'm like, I got to get a job. So I, I kind of jumped into it. I kind of jumped into it eyes wide open. Um, I, I knew that, you know, it was this going to be my forever thing. No, but, but at the same time, you know, we couldn't go weeks and weeks and weeks without income coming into the house. And it was sort of in that, I'll call it the rebound job that I started to think back uh, about my the, the place where I got laid off from, like, wait a minute, 
this that particular business was had four founders, um, which is unusual. But and and none of those four founders agreed with each other. They did not have a shared vision, and they survived <laughs> as a business for five years. And I'm thinking, mm, if those guys could do it without even being aligned with each other for five years, surely I could do this on my own for as long as I want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fantastic. <laughs> and I'm curious to hear your response to this, but then you start your own thing and you jump into it. And there was a period of time, a few months where there was some overlap. So I had the day job, but then nights and weekends, I did some consulting on a few projects and then you kind of build up that nest egg. And then there was a point where I'm like, all right, it's big enough. I can make the leap. I felt like there was enough in the pipeline, no pun intended, um, to, um, to, to go out completely on my own. And you know, looking back, I was like, if I knew now what I did or knew then what I do now, would I have made that leap? The answer is probably no. But I'm curious, um, when you made that leap and said, I'm going to do this, how terrifying was that? It, maybe it was me being young and, and naive, but it wasn't... Losing my job was far more terrifying than, than starting a company. Uh, I remember feeling physically ill for several days after it got laid off. But this to it, I'd been in the industry for several years. And so I knew, you know, some people at least, it was a small network, but I had a network. And I started reaching out to people and saying, hey, I'm, I'm doing some freelance work. Um, if you, you know, could use any help with engineering or, or design. And I got my first small job. And oh, it was, it, I, I got paid like 30 bucks an hour or 35 an hour. It was not a lot, but I, I loved it, you know, just, being able to do everything, uh, being in charge of it all. I, I loved that feeling. And my wife always laughs at me because even to this day, I, I kind of say, ah, it's not a real business. You know, it's just something I do. And eventually it's all going to blow up and fall apart. But it, for a long time, it didn't feel like a real business. It was just me kind of freelancing. And then, you know, steadily, slowly that, that kind of grew and until I had more work than I can handle. And then I took on employees and yeah. things like that. But yeah, it, I guess it didn't feel scary to me. It was, it, was, it was really more thrilling than anything. Yeah, well, I mean, there's, there's something thrilling about being scared at times too. <laughs> That's true. But I like what you said a moment ago about, you know, and I'll paraphrase it a little bit, you know, the... When, when you are the one responsible for, for the new business, it puts a different perspective on it. It does, absolutely. You know, it puts more pressure, but you know, at least the way I thrive at times is pressure is a good thing. I agree. I agree. It certainly does put a different perspective on it because now I worry that I, I'm going to us uh, as disparaging to um, employees or you know frontline workers, but that's not the intent at all. The world needs employees that that actually do that work. Uh, but for and this is probably more on on me than anything else. I I just I didn't love doing uh, this this narrow slice of everyday work back when I was employed at, at a, a design firm, an engineering company. And I mean, you know, my bosses saw it. I wasn't engaged and that, that's why I got let go. But owning the business, oh, that flipped the paradigm upside down, you know, immediately. Because yeah. now if I'm not engaged, 
you know, mortgage doesn't get paid, can't, uh, you know, buy clothes for the kids and put food on the table. So it is, it is very motivating, not just from a financial standpoint, but uh, it's also just so fulfilling uh, to me personally to, to have this, this baby that, that I've birthed and, and grown into uh, a young adolescent nest. So yeah, yeah. It, only a different perspective. Yeah. And, and I am sure we could talk for days about entrepreneurship and our respective journeys. I want to know more about Pipeline. And yeah, I know a very small bit, but I know you do some work for medical device companies. I know you're, I'm not asking you to share who you're working with, but what types of things do, do medical device companies contact you for and, and, and assist? what kind of assistance are you providing them? Let's say that you needed to your tools removed. Are you going to go to a general practitioner? Uh, no. <laughs> Why not? I mean, they're trained as a medical professional, though. They could probably figure it out, right? Well, they probably could figure it out. I mean, what other kind of damage would, would they do along the way? I don't know. And uh, I don't feel like being uh, the, the, the experiment where they learn, you know? Okay. Okay. Fair enough. So maybe you'd go to a specialist like, you know, an instructor. Fair? Uh, yeah, for sure. Okay. But I mean, going to an ENT, that's going to be more expensive. Is it really worth it? I mean, I mean, that's what they're trained for, right? You know? <laughs> what they're there yeah. for, they're a specialist. I mean, I, mean, I know your, your line of questioning is intentional, but... But it's, you know, I even liken that to like consulting. Like somebody would like back in the day, they're like, oh, but John, your, your rate is is more expensive than this other person. I'm like, yeah. And I have direct experience that pertains to the thing that you're trying to do. So do you want to, to pay that other person extra dollars? May seem like their per hour rate is less expensive, but I could probably do it faster. And in the end, it'd be less expensive and you'll have uh, higher assurance that it's done right. Cause I've already done this. They haven't. So you choose. Exactly. Thank you for playing along with my little charade there. Clearly, the point I'm trying to drive home is we're experts at what we do. We're specialists. I saw something on LinkedIn, and I'll get into more, you know, what it is Pipeline does, but I want to kind of set some, some context here. I saw something on LinkedIn the other day. Uh, it was, uh, I think it was a CPA, and he was saying that he has uh, 10 or 15 years of experience uh, as a CPA. So when he bills you for 30 minutes, you're not paying for 30 minutes of time. You're paying for the 15 years of experience this person has learning how to do things well and right and quickly. And I thought that was a really cool thing to say. So for us, we, again, our kind of our mission statement is we develop custom key test fix and automated equipment for medical device engineering teams. And we have spent many years developing this niche internally. Uh, a lot of engineers, they can put together a test fixture, but it's kind of like the general practitioner energy. You know, it's not focus on every day. Maybe they spend like 5% of their time designing a test fixture or of equipment, whereas all that we do, we spend all of our time developing these test fixtures and equipment. Uh, so we we have built up this expertise and and uh, the specialty in house, and we're not for everyone. You know, uh, some people would would rather just do that internally. Um, I'll I'll share one anecdote with you that um, kind of a success story for us. One of our biggest customers, a large medical device manufacturer, 
And uh, before working with Pipeline, they, they would do their own test equipment, their own fixtures. And uh, uh, there's something called an MSA, a uh, uh, measurement systems uh, analysis, which uh, tells you how repeatable or, or how well does your measurement system work, which in this case is the test fixture or the piece of equipment. And uh, their, their first pass success rate when they uh, did this MSA was 50%. In other words, 50% of the time, they would get data from this piece of equipment that was inconsistent enough that, that they, they could not proceed because they just weren't confident in the data that they were getting. So that was before they started working with Pipeline. Now, it's been many years that, that we've been working together and, and they uh, effectively use us for all of their fixture and equipment design now. Their, their first pass success rate for MSA is nearly 100%. That's, that's a big difference. And uh, we found that customers like this, that yeah, they have their own internal engineering staff and yeah, they could probably do it on their own, but they're more concerned with getting it done quickly, accelerating their schedules and uh, our, our fixtures, they, they work, you know, we, this is what we do. And yeah. so our equipment tends to work really well and it, it accelerates schedules. And these are the customers that we found that, that we really work the best with. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's terrific. So, you know, if I'm a med device company, like when in my journey should I be contacting you? I mean, I'm kind of getting the picture that that you can play a role uh, at various stages, whether that be in early product development or even, you know, post-production. You're exactly exactly right. We can help kind of early in the development stage where uh, you're not ready to manufacture anything, but you need to do some, uh, for example, characterization testing. One company that we worked with where they had a, uh, uh, a device with a shaft, we'll call it. And um, this shaft, they needed to characterize the failure. And to do so, they wanted to place this shaft under a variety of different loads. And uh, they, they wanted a torsional load, an axial load, and a lateral load. And they wanted to be able to apply any combination of these loads at, at different you know, magnitudes of scale and then see if the device worked or not. So again, characterizing the failure mode. And we put something together for them that allowed them to do this. It was a little automated fixture that uh, had some custom lab view programming that we'd done to allow them to, to automate this, this testing. And that was you know, kind of early stage in, in their development process. Um, on the other side of things, we, we also help people that are getting into production. They might need some kind of fixture or jig to do production assembly. Um, so uh, it, it really kind of spans the, the, the full uh, breadth of product development from uh, probably not like very early stage design, but, but once they have an initial concept or maybe a prototype and they need to start doing some evaluation and testing, um, kind of from there all the way through production is where we can help. Cool. All right. I usually take a pause somewhere in the middle and, and remind folks who I'm talking to. So folks, I want to remind you, I'm talking to Aaron Munker. Aaron is the owner of Pipeline Design and Engineering. And I love the URL. It's very easy to remember. It's designtheproduct.com. Uh, so go check that out. And you know, certainly want to remind you too that Greenlight Guru, we're here to help. Uh, we um, work exclusively with medical device companies. In fact, we're the only medical device quality management system on the market today. We, we're designed by medical device professionals for medical device industry and companies. 
We built our platform based on FDA regulations, ISO 13485, EUMDR, ISO 14971, Part 11. All of that's built in, baked in already off the shelf within the Greenlight Guru software platform. So if you'd like to learn more about Greenlight Guru, then I would encourage you to go to www.greenlight.guru to learn more. And we'd be happy to get on a, a call with you, do a demo of the platform, so you can see how Greenlight can help you accelerate your product development efforts. All right. So, Aaron, kind of getting back into the flow of things, you know, as far as I can remember back and in, in when I started my consulting practice, um, I tried to stay focused. There were lots of, I'll say, temptations that would pull me or tempt me, so to speak, into um, potentially other areas that weren't maybe a strength or, or an area that that I knew a lot about. Back to your your general pa- practitioner line of questioning, I, I could have been that that GP for some of these projects, but I, I tried to stay disciplined and tried to stay focused on my superpower, the things that I was good at. I assume you're probably tempted with similar sorts of things from time to time. For sure. Yeah. In fact, I joined an organization a few years back called EO, uh, Entrepreneurs Organization. And I joked earlier that uh, I'd tell my wife that it's not a real business. This is just something I, you know, I'm, I'm trying and it's working so far, but it's probably going to blow up next year, whatever. And uh, so something early on I realized I needed was, was some guidance as far as how to build a business. So I, I joined this group, uh, Entrepreneurs Organization, and um, they have these, these uh, monthly accountability group meetings where you get, to gr- uh, get together with a small group of people, five, six, seven individuals. And you, you, know, you share what's going on with your business. Uh, you get feedback. You, you offer experiences that might help those in your group. And early on, I'm so grateful for this, my group quickly identified that I would talk about, yeah, we, we design iPhone cases and uh, medical devices and, and solar power equipment, or I had this you know, spiel of things that we did. But then we'd actually get to talking about what, what we actually did. And they pointed out pretty quickly that, hey, you say that you do all these different things, but really it sounds like you mostly design test equipment for medical device companies. And I was like, well, yeah, that's true. And they're like, why are you talking about iPhone cases and you know other general product design, consumer design products? You should just be focusing on medical device or uh, test fixtures. Yeah. And I thought, wow, well, uh, yeah, of course I should. That that makes so much sense. But you know, in hindsight, I just I don't know. I couldn't see it until someone kind of hit me over the head with it. And and since then, we we've uh, since. Uh, Defined our mission as is turnkey custom test fixtures and automated equipment for medical device engineering teams, and and having that clarity has really uh, been kind of liberating. Actually, you know, it, it it narrows our focus as far as what groups we're trying to market to and what skills we're trying to develop, and it's it's allowed us to focus on developing some skills internally that we probably wouldn't have if if we were just yeah. you know being kind of GPs, so to speak. Yeah, for me, the epiphany moment, I was networking like crazy, trying to grow this consulting practice. I would go have, I, I asked a lot of people to lunch and coffee and, and all these sorts of things. And I, I would go everywhere, you know, within a couple of hours of where I live to try to build a book of business. And But but I, you know, picked up that networking, you know, building building that network was really important. And there was 
one person that I remember, he looked at me and he's like, you know, you need a partner. Like, what do you mean? He goes, you need somebody that that you can partner with that's aligned from a vision perspective and so you can stay focused. And and it was an interesting comment, one that I hadn't really thought about or considered. And then soon thereafter, I had lunch with a, a gentleman. I'll give him a shout out. Uh, I haven't talked to him in a while. I, it'll remind me to give him a call too. But the guy's name is Scott Durlacher. And I remember meeting him for lunch one day and, and we just, we hit it off right away. And I told him about what I was doing. And, you know, he was kind of, you know, in between things, doing a little bit of consulting here and there. And, uh, um, we partnered, and you know that was that was so important um, because we were able to align, and we we were good compliments to one another. Did you find that that uh, a similar sort of I, I guess epiphany or or path along your way with with pipeline? You know, not yet in pipeline. Uh, well, let me let me clarify. Are you are you asking about like a business partner or more like I don't know. A, well, I guess I'll just leave it there. Are you are you referring to well, like a business partner? I mean, I guess in a matter of speakings, we were. Um, I guess we one could say, yeah, we were business partners. But I think more than anything else, it was like more of a mentor or you know somebody that that um, was a trusted advisor, probably more than anything else. Mm. I've certainly had yeah mentors and trusted advisors and things like that. Um, I mean, I mentioned EO. Uh, yeah. the, the people I've met there have been just fantastic in, in helping me clarify what it is I'm trying to do. Uh, before that, I, I was part of Strategic Coach, which is another kind of entrepreneur organization that, that helps uh, entrepreneurs do businesses. So for sure, there have been a lot of, of uh, key mentors that have helped me along the way. And, and I'm sure there will be many more. All right. So I don't, I don't do this very often on, sometimes we get down and nerdy with regulatory and quality and all that sort of fun stuff, which, you know, uh, I enjoy those things too. Um, and I don't always do this on podcasts, but I guess I'll, um, I'll put you on the spot a little bit. I guess this whole conversation has been somewhat put, putting you on the spot. So thanks for playing along. But what is the, the most fun project that you've had an opportunity to be involved with. And, and you know, mm. I, I, again, I appreciate you can't, you may not be able to divulge all the super specific details, but what is the most fun and why was it the most fun? The most fun. So um, there are two that come to mind. The first one was fairly early on in uh, my, my pipe career, maybe just a couple of years after I started the company. I meant that uh, I had started photography company with a friend of mine. We ran for several years and that overlapped with the beginning of Pipeline. So I was doing photography and really into photography, still am. Um, and someone of me, an inventor, with a product, it was the holster. Um, uh, for any of you that do photography, you, you'll appreciate that uh, lenses, nice lenses can get heavy and they're, they're really expensive. And it's it's kind of a pain to have to you know, change them out. If you're, you know, shooting away something, you have to run back to your bag, lug out this big lens, and then run back. Uh, this this product is a a lens holster, um, and it would attach to a belt. And it was just this really cool mechanical design that 
um, allowed you to to hold a lens or multiple lenses on a belt just on your hip and then very quickly twist and lift them off and then put it onto your camera. And just it was a relatively simple product, but there were some clever mechanics involved. And, uh, you know, got to be involved start to finish. That, that was a really fun experience. Um, so that the other one that comes to mind was more recent, a few years ago. And this was a very sophisticated uh, piece of test equipment. It had uh, a variety of, of different modules that were all integrated into a single system. And, and then we automated it with some uh, lab view code that we wrote. It, it included a laser vision system that would contactlessly measure the RPM of a, a, a path that was spinning real, real fast, uh, many thousands RPM. Uh, it would also measure the, the wobble of this shaft and it would move up and down axially along aft and measure the straightness of the shaft. Uh, and then we had uh, this particular device also uh, pulled. So we had a pressure sensor that was attached to the system and it would measure yeah, the vacuum that was being pulled by the... Uh, then uh, what, because the shaft spins, obviously there's some input torque that causes that uh, rotation to happen. And we had a, a, a rotary sensor that was created as well. Uh, and it was... Um, one of the larger systems we've developed, it was certainly not a desk unit. It was all mounted to a cart. So it will on maybe, I don't know, three feet by two feet or something like that deep and maybe four or five feet high. But there was just a lot going on uh, for this particular project. Um, I think we had four engineers working for about six months full time to get it done. And uh, towards the end of development, we, we were scheduled to deliver this on Tuesday. And uh, our, our customers are very, very schedule driven. You know, um, I think that's, that's true for a lot of medical device companies, more so than, than other industries, I think. And so we were committed to this Tuesday delivery date. And the Thursday prior, we started looking at what we still needed to finish by then. And, and we realized we're not going to make this. There's just there's too much to do to deliver before Tuesday. So our team pulled together and Thursday night, I think we're up until one in the morning and Friday night, we pulled an order. Saturday, we continued working all day, um, took a break Sunday morning, but then Sunday afternoon, we're back at it. I think we stayed up until 3 a.m. that night. Uh, the following day, Monday was a holiday and we took half day off, but then we, we worked the second half of the day and we got it done. We finished it and we delivered it on time. And uh, it was just such a tremendous accomplishment um, by our team, the team pipeline, that um, I always look back very, very fondly on that experience because it was a, a very technically challenging piece of equipment to develop. Uh, and then schedule-wise was also aggressive. And, and we made it because the team pulled together and people were willing to do what it took to deliver on time. So that, yeah, that to me was a huge win. Yeah. And, and so I, not putting words in your mouth, but um, what I picked up on that, there's a few things that were probably enjoyable. So I'll speculate um, culture of closing. You, you got the job done teamwork collaboration. That was probably pretty important. Yeah. And then uh, also you solved a problem. We did. Yeah, yeah, that was a technically challenging problem. There's always, 
increased satisfaction when you when you solve something hard, right? I mean, the mm-hmm. easy stuff is fine. That's fun too. But when you can crack a hard nut, there's, there's nothing like that feeling. Yeah, for sure. All right. So I um, appreciate you playing along. So Aaron, before we wrap things up today, I'll give you the final word. What challenges or problems do you thrive at solving the most or the best or whatever the right way to describe that is? And, and how should people get a hold of you so that you can help solve some of their challenges? Mm, thank you for asking that. Time. I think it all comes down to time. If you need to finish a project faster than your internal resources allow you to do, um, that's where we can help. Um, uh, Not only because we're an external resource that you can plug and play, add to your team, but also because we, we have the expertise in this particular area to get things done very quickly. Uh, we have turned projects around in as, as, uh, as quick as a week. Um, obviously, if it's you know, a hugely complex system, it's not gonna be a week, but we can help people save time and get things done faster. And then uh, how to get a hold of us. So you mentioned one of our websites. Turns out we actually have two websites, designtheproduct.com. That is the website that we've had for our entire existence back when we started as a general design company. Uh, more least recently, uh, we launched testfixturedesign.com. And, and that's the website that's really dedicated to all of our custom test fixture and, and uh, equipment development. So either one of those websites, you can find us there. My name is Aaron Monker, A-A-R-O-N-M-O-N-C-U-R. And you can find me on LinkedIn as well. All right, Aaron, I appreciate that. We'll, folks, we'll share links to both testfixturedesign.com and designtheproduct.com in the text that accompanies this particular podcast. So Aaron, thank you so much. I, I enjoyed uh, getting down and nerdy with you a little bit. And folks, I do want to... Uh, Aaron's got a new podcast. It is cool. I've listened to quite a few episodes. You know, if you're a geek or a nerd and, and just love being an engineer like Aaron, then uh, I would encourage you to find being an engineer. Uh, I, I totally messed that up, didn't I, Aaron? It's being an, an engineer. Um, at, at least you remember it. It's my podcast and I forgot to mention it. <laughs> well, but where, where, do, where do people find being an engineer? Uh, where can they listen to that? Sure. Being an engineer can be found on pretty much all the, the major podcast directories, uh, uh, iTunes, Spotify, Google, uh, Pandora, you know, all, yeah. all the major players. All right. So folks, wherever you're listening to the Global Medical Device Podcast, search for Being an Engineer and you'll find it. And if not, send Aaron a note, send me a note, and we'll point you to where you can find it. So again, I want to thank my my guest, Aaron Moncor. Uh, he is the owner of Pipeline Design and Engineering. And folks, thank you so much for being uh, a listener of the Global Medical Device Podcast. If this is your first time, welcome. Uh, we have... Uh, a hundred and I don't even know how many, well over a hundred episodes for you to catch up on. Uh, so enjoy that. And for those that have been longtime listeners, loyal listeners, thank you so much. Uh, it's because of you that we continue to be the number one podcast in the medical device industry. As always, this is your host, founder, and VP of quality and regulatory at Greenlight Guru, John Spear. And you have been listening to the Global Medical Device Podcast. <laughs>